When he sent me packing down Green River Valley I knew that if you couldn't then No one would have Lost myself drinking with those stray dogs in the attic Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash The podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Armed with only food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola, um, I'm taking a break from a whole lot of reading to bring you this episode featuring Taylor Sims of Everybody Loves an Outlaw and the Bonnie and Taylor Sims Band. Um, Every year at Boulder Weekly has me write an article about my favorite new books about music, and that will be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, This year, a ton of good books arrived at my door. Uh, The mailman was very busy. Uh, From the huge new biography of Lou Reed to the graphic novel history of hip-hop, Also, um, a Miles Davis graphic novel that's really cool. Um, And then also, yes, The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. Um, It's been a lot of fun and a lot of reading. Um, But also, as many of you know, I am making it my New Year's resolution or my Thanksgiving 2023 resolution to slow the fuck down and uh, get to know my own mind a little bit more, which is kind of terrifying, um, and find out what an actual weekend is like, and hopefully be a much better father and partner. Uh, my teenager would probably rather watch paint dry than listen to Mile High Stash, but my amazing girlfriend sometimes listens, so I love you, Michaela. And I'm really sorry. Uh, phew. Uh, so yeah, this is the last episode of Mile High Stash for at least a while. Also, thank you to everybody who packed Spirit Hound Distillery in Lions on Friday night for the live recording of my interview with Taylor Sims, a guitarist, songwriter, and singer I really admire, not only as a musician, but also as a husband and a friend. Uh, Taylor and I play in a trio with Clay Rose of Gasoline Lollipops sometimes, and uh, being on stage with him is such a blast. Um, I also have a band called Rolling Harvest that is a Neil Young and Bob Dylan tribute, and originally Taylor was going to be the front man along with Alexandra Schwann, who is the front woman, and he was just way too busy. So it was pretty funny that he started the show off the other night with a Neil Young song. Um, Taylor is very astute and very professional, but he also knows how to dig in and kick ass with me and Clay, and I love the rare musicians who can balance the refined with the energetic and locked-in uh, the other night at Spirit Hound, Taylor played a few songs, and then we talked, and then he played a couple more songs, um, which were off the new Bonnie and Taylor Sims album, which is a wonderful record and worth checking out. And I'm sure you've heard the song I See Red and not even known that it was Bonnie and Taylor Sims behind the Everybody Loves an Outlaw 
uh, project. Um, thank you so much for listening to my chat with Taylor, especially if you were in the crowd at Spirit Hound and you're listening again for some reason. Um, and thank you for sticking with me this last year. 55 episodes in one year is a lot, as I know, as uh, my family knows. Um, maybe someday I'll do one Mile High Stash a month or something. I don't know yet. That's just not what's important at the moment. Um, um, anyway, here's my chat with Taylor Sims, live from Spirit Hound in Lyons, Colorado. Um, after a few words from today's sponsor, the Boulder Roots Music Project, where actually Rolling Harvest is going to play on Friday, December 8th. The Boulder Roots Music Project believes in the power of music to make the world a better place, and all music starts locally. The Roots Music Project empowers artists and audiences to connect and create a thriving and inspiring local music scene. Based in Boulder, Colorado, the Roots Music Project's mission is to foster a DIY music scene with events such as concerts by local and national musicians, open mics, live interviews, and workshops. Head to rootsmusicproject.org for their event calendar and more information about this great Boulder nonprofit music incubator. You guys are a really good listening audience. This is great. Like usually you don't combine alcohol and listening, you know, together. So <laughs> that's good. Um, Spe speaking of alcohol, will you pass me my whiskey right yes, over there before we before we jump into this? Yeah. Congo. This is my third time ever doing public speaking, and uh, um, I'm enjoying some Spirit Hound whiskey. Um, a friend of mine told me one time in the company of strangers, you should limit yourself to two drinks, but I know like half of you, so, you know, so like I'll drink as much as I want. Um, Taylor is from Texas. Yeah. East right. Texas? No, West Texas. North, Northwest Texas, to be specific. Yeah. On, the, on the Canadian River in a little town called Canadian, Texas. Canadian, Texas. Yep. And, uh, you know, Bonnie and Taylor have a new album, which is, um, as a journalist, I use words like eponymous. So it's an eponymous album. It's self-titled. I don't even know what that means. Really? What does eponymous mean? Self-titled. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, when you start writing about music as a teenager, you learn um, posthumous and eponymous. Those are the two <laughs> words, you know. Well, one, one day they'll use posthumous, uh, or may, I'm yeah. maybe they won't on me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I want to I know the story behind this song, Texas, again. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, it's, um, uh, I, I wrote it a, a few years ago, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's rare that I feel, n that I feel nostalgic for, for, for Texas, even though that's, uh, that's where I grew up and that's where I'm from. And, and uh, that's where a lot of my, you know, that's where my formative years were. Um, Colorado is home, but occasionally I get nostalgic and, and I start missing um, the family. I start missing the, the geography. I love that state um, for its geography and it's like uh, its history um, as storied as it is. And so I, um, I, I, I sat down and I, and, I, and, I, and I had the first three lines of that song. And... I had them for a long time, 
and as for me as a songwriter I'm a really slow I'm a really slow songwriter I'll hang on to ideas for 10 years it'll take me there's multiple songs that I have that have taken me 10 years to write or 10 years to finish and um, and I'll take long breaks away from stuff you know and that was one of my three lines and I thought they were I was like that is so good I love this like I it, I, I, I happened on it and I felt like it was dictated to me and I just loved it and it took me forever to finish it and then finally I wrapped it into a song about Texas and my childhood and my my uh, my great grandparents and you know some of my personal family history yeah and uh, yeah and then it came out and um and this 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 recent album was a perfect place to to put it and uh, the band that we have now is uh, a perfect vehicle for it and so um so it came out in a in a really organic natural way mm-hmm. uh without any real intention or placement that it, you know any place that i thought it would go it just felt right and so that's how it that's how it ended up yeah it was surprising in that it sounds nostalgic it sounds like you like where you're from and you miss it but then the song level land it sounds like it's the opposite of that yeah it's like it's like the vice versa 100 percent, 100 percent. so yeah, for those of you who haven't who haven't heard our new our new album, there's a song on there that Adam just mentioned uh, called Texas again, and then there's another one called Leveland, which is a a song about another town in West Texas that Bonnie and I met in, and uh, it's a uh, it's if you ever you know I hope none of you have ever been there, and I sure hope you <laughs> none of you ever go. Uh, it's a it's it's a mistake on it's. It's a uh, you know they uh, it's it's on the Llano Estacado which is uh, Spanish for the staked plains and it's a uh, really more of a mistaked plains out there it's uh, it's there's not much out there but there's a music school that Bonnie and I went to and uh, we met there and and that's where we started to hanging out and started playing music together and then started our relationship and and then that all blossomed and I met a lot of friends there you know we have musical friends that actually that. Um, that I went to college with that live here in Lyons and and uh, just you know start, uh, created a lot of connection and a lot of foundation and uh, but that town is absolutely terrible <laughs> it sucks it's a it's a it's a it's a dry county okay mm. so uh, and so there's nothing to do there's not even a bowling alley in the town mm-hmm. there's uh, there's a Walmart and there's a bunch of churches and so uh, if you like football and Jesus, it's it's great. <laughs> it's great. You're you probably you're probably gonna have a good time. But uh, no, no um, it's it's um, uh, <laughs> it, it 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 well it wasn't it wasn't much of a place. But the college was there. We practiced a lot. That's all we had to do. We you know we 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 scraped resin and we played bluegrass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Taylor was just awarded uh, a Colorado Sound Music Award. This is the second. Annual, <laughs> Thank and um, Thank you. you know, tonight is almost the antithesis of the award because the award was for best secret ingredient. So <laughs> the secret is out. Secret's out. I, I yeah. think that award really blew my cover. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was told um, I was hanging out with Clay um, right before um, the awards at the Boulder Theater, and he said that your wife had written you a, like a five-page acceptance speech. But then she had. Yeah. She did. But then she it was pretty brief, what you said. It was. I didn't have much. I didn't really need to say too much. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought about it. And I was like, man, maybe I should write an acceptance speech. I've never received an award that, mm-hmm. that, that, that required any kind of acceptance speech. 
I've won awards before, but most of it was like, you know, you walk across a stage and shake somebody's hand that's wearing a robe. <laughs> right. You don't get to speak at those. Right. That's, a, that's, the, that's the award. That's, a, that's as far as my award it's go. Yeah. Now. Um, no, I mean, I, I, and, and, and so it was, uh, it was brief. And uh, it was classy. It was. Uh, I tried to throw some yeah. jokes in, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was it. That's all I needed, you know. How many people here voted for Taylor and for this award? Oh yeah. yeah. Not that many. That's I not good. I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for that. It uh, really means a lot, and it uh, it um, certainly. I mean, I love the Colorado Sound, and and I love I love that it was a category, and I love that I got nominated and yeah so I'm very grateful yeah so um I interviewed Taylor maybe two years ago for a newspaper article and we um had tacos on a very windy day yeah we did and I learned his life story and uh, many of you might not know that uh, he's from Texas or that um uh, uh, he met Bonnie in college and that um also, speaking of awards, I mean, you probably received a lot of golfing awards. Uh, well. I, I, I did, yeah, I yeah. did. Not many people might know that he was, he was almost a, you know, professional golfer. Well, I was, yes, I was, well, I was almost a collegiate golfer. I had a, yeah. I had a scholarship yeah. to play golf yeah. out, of, out of high school and yeah. had to go to college, and then I turned it down to play guitar. And, um, yeah. But I was, yeah. uh, I, I was um, since, uh, you know, since it's all about me. <laughs> um, I was in the North Texas Junior PGA when I was um, when I was like t junior and senior year of high school, and so I was really close to going and pursuing like a career as a golfer. But yeah. man, those outfits—I was—I <laughs> was hoping you were going to show up tonight. Actually, I mentioned God, that I want to see the golfing man, like, outfit. Uh, I love yeah. that game, but Jesus, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and I like you know I, I yeah it was I, I love that game I still play I still play I'm not near as good as I used to be but um, but uh, yeah uh, that that whole scene the whole golfing scene for those of you I'm sure some I'm sure there's some golfers here and you and if you're not you can imagine like that's not a fun scene it's not a fun scene to go like hang out with a bunch of golfers just gonna tell you right now so uh, music was a clear choice um, yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, and I anyway, so I, I, even though I, I, I sometimes I, I feel like that, that could have been a path that I could have taken. I'm so glad that I didn't. Yeah. You're <laughs> <So. laughs> here, here. Fuck golf. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about when you first picked up a guitar and who your guitar heroes were when you were growing up. Well, uh, the first time I picked up a guitar and uh, that I really remember, I was just, I happened to be at a pawn shop in Amarillo, Texas, and uh, I was there, me, me and my buddy had skipped school, and we drove to Amarillo, it was the nearest big town, which it's really just an overgrown cow town, and, uh, but there was a pawn shop there, and I looked up on the wall, and there was a white guitar uh, with a black pick guard, and I saw it, and it just like, it just, it hit me like a with the force of a thousand waterfalls, it just it just hit me so strong, and I was like, "What what have I been doing with my life? I need to play guitar." So I I, I got him to to pull it off the wall for me behind the counter. You? I was sixteen. Sixteen. Um, he pulled it off the wall, 
and I didn't, I couldn't play anything. I like, you know, I didn't know any chords or anything, but I just had this, this magnetic pull from the universe. It was like, you need to learn, I need to, I need to learn this. And I actually had the thought in my mind, like, I've wasted my life. Go- by not, yeah, by go- <laughs> golfing and like playing football and like all the other stupid things I was doing, you know? And so um, I, uh, I, I pulled it off the wall and I just, I just, uh, it, it cost 160 bucks. I didn't have 160 bucks, or may, I mean, I I think I borrowed some money from my buddy that was there, and like I, I got, it. I just knew I had to take it home, and so I took it home, and then I started, and from that day forward, I vowed that I would play guitar every day. Fuck yeah! So was this an acoustic guitar? It was. Okay. It was. I don't have it anymore. I sold it to buy my second guitar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it looked. It just. It was like an you know very gaudy. Ter- it was a terrible instrument, but it was all white. And, uh, it, it, you know, looking back, I wish I still had it, but um, I, I, I thought it was the best thing yeah. that I'd ever seen. I thought you were going to say you were like five or six no. because that's how good you are. No, no, I wish. I wish I had. I wish I was too. I was too. I don't know. I, I, there was music around, you know, there was mm-hmm. music around my family. And, you know, my dad's a huge country music fan and I grew up singing in church and and uh, my mom was in the choir and stuff. And uh, but I um you know, I, in, in, in those days, I like struggled so hard to just be cool. I thought it was like, if I could just be cool, I, I was like, that was my goal. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to just be cool. And like music wasn't cool, at least in around there, you know, right. like, and, and football was, football cool. was cool. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do, I tried to do that. And, um, and like the music that, that I was, uh, uh, that I could have played, you know, like band that was like, I thought that was the most uncool thing, which now I look back and I'm like, what an, I'm an idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was, I, th- I was like, I was just trying to be too cool. Yeah. So music was never a thing until that guitar came along. So you end up studying music in college and you kind of majored in bluegrass. Yeah, I did. You know. But I want to ask Bonnie, when you met him, was he cool? Oh. See, I, so, see, so, I, yeah. hey, you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes vanity and superficiality pays off. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I did. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I went to South Plains College, which is in Loveland, Texas, and uh, and I, uh, they have a great music program there, and they have a really unique pr- music program. They're the first um, college in the in the country to offer a commercial music program mm-hmm. as opposed to a more symphonic based right. classical based uh training where th- this one was 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 more it's more uh, practical more practical mm-hmm. very practical and so you could go and you could study music business you could study sound engineering you could study um how to be in a band you know how to like yeah. uh how to promote yourself how to um you know how to learn songs uh, how to train your ear to learn songs off a yeah. record you know how to like um, uh, and h- how to write charts, how to, how to basically exist as a working musician in a professional yeah. and uh, commerce space. You know, I always think that music schools should have a van in the parking lot, <laughs> and y- that should be a, a part of your class, is you all go sit in the van <laughs> for like six hours. Oh. 100%, <laughs> dude. And then you're like, oh, oh. This, I need to learn this. So I need to be able to do this. God, that would... You know? uh, yeah. That that would that would make that would make graduation levels just plummet, yeah. dude. Yeah. There would be so few yeah. students stick around after that, because that yeah. is that is part of it. That you, like you, that that no one ever tells you that, like right. you know, van life. You're gonna be married to four or five other people that you may or may not like, you know, v- varying levels of like, yep. I guess. 
and depending you might on how get many divorce too. You have to go you, through divorces. Yeah, you got to go through divorces. People. You got to you got to go. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. they didn't teach us, teach us that. No, it was practical, but it, they didn't teach us that. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad they didn't because I don't know if I would have stuck through quit. it. You know, yeah. I actually had a teacher. Funny enough, like my uh, one of my great mentors of, of my life, um, he he took me aside on you know my last week of school. Uh, before I before I, I left and he asked me like what my plans were and I said well I uh, I think I'm gonna give it a go I think I'm gonna go like I want to start a band I want to make albums and I want to do that and uh, and he and he looked at me he like kind of like he kind of like pulled my chair I was on a roller chair and he kind of like pulled my chair where we were knee to knee and he looked me right in the eye and he's a great musician a legend his name's Alan Mundy and he pulled me close and he said don't do what I did hmm. He was all he was very serious and he said go have a family like go you know like don't do what I did and he was he was jaded of course he had yeah. been st- he had been kind of stomped on by the music business but it uh uh it took a lot to not heed his his charge and I didn't I was like yeah nah. I was like I'm I'm going to do exactly what you did <laughs> I'm going to try at least yeah but, yeah so Taylor ends up in Colorado with Spring Creek which really takes off yeah and wins a lot of awards. You know, you win a lot of awards, <laughs> you know. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but as the story goes, you called Bonnie one time and said, you know, I really want you to come out here. Yeah. And she said, I might be thinking, she says, well, you got to marry me. <laughs> That's exactly true, 100%. Yeah. Almost, almost verbatim. Yeah. No, she said, she said, she said, um, I'm, well, so I did. I, that's exactly right. I asked her. I asked her to come out to Colorado, and uh, and she was and she was like, "Well, I, I really want to go to Nashville." She had these two uh, great great friends, and they were and they're twins. They're identical twins, and they're amazing musicians, some of the best that we know. And Bonnie uh, was in a trio with them, and they're fantastic. They were moving to Nashville after college, and Bonnie was like, "Well, I kind of want to move to Nashville." to be with Penny and Katie and to start music with them. And and I was like, well, why don't you come to Colorado? And then she said, well, I'm not gonna move up there unless unless we're getting married. And so she got down on one knee. <laughs> that's really, that's, that's pretty much how it went. And then I was like, well, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, and because I knew, you know, I I I knew that um, uh, I knew that I wanted to, to I wanted to be a musician. I knew that I wanted to like really try and pursue it as a career, and um, and I also knew that you know I I'd, I'd been with Bonnie at like a year, eighteen months at that point, and I was like, man, I gotta hitch my wagon to this shooting star that she is, and uh, so I was like, well, all right, let's get married. I, I got I to gotta make this happen, so we did it. And I took all of the money that I had, which was 1800 bucks, and I bought her a ring at the mall in Longmont, the old mall in Longmont, at like Zales or some shit. And she lost it. She lost it like year number two of marriage. So it goes... Not about it's not about the ring. No, 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 no. And we've and and we've and we've never replaced it, either. And and, and I, I I I don't wear one. I still have my wedding ring, but I uh, I weighed like 
25, 30 pounds more back then. And, and now my wedding ring won't fit me. It mm. falls off. So, mm. so no rings. So Taylor was in Spring Creek, and, and Bonnie started Bonnie and her Clydes. And um, it was my impression when I first met you that you had always been in Bonnie and the Clydes, and I didn't realize that it took a long time before you know Spring Creek disbanded, and then mm-hmm. you were in Bonnie and the Clydes and played every fucking bar mitzvah and barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In the and funeral and in the car dealership opening. <laughs> and old folks' homes. Old folks' homes. <laughs> airport oh. bars. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there were a lot of times when you, early in your relationship, you were on the road mm-hmm. and she was here, and that was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that, that certainly proved to be uh, challenging to, uh, uh, t- to navigate because, you know, we were newly married and, and, um, and, and I was, and we were going out and like, you know, we, we did have a lot of growth. That band was awesome. And I love those, I love those people. Um, and we were, um, uh, after we won, so we won the, the, the Rocky grass band competition, or we, we won the Telluride band competition and the Rocky grass band competition in the same, in the same year. That was 2007. It's incredible. And and that and that record was just now, uh, was just now um, matched by the Fretliners this last summer. So wow. and those guys are fucking badass. They're yeah. really really good. But we were the we were the only band to have ever done that before. And um, and so um, uh, and so it gave us this. You know, we went from sort of like we were working hard, we were touring, um, but we weren't. You know, I mean we. We were growing, but that like gave us this this real strong trajectory, and we um, we we got a booking agent, we got uh, you know we got a record deal, and and we just sort of like it just it just picked up uh, steam after that, and then so that was in '07, and then '08, '09, '10, '11, and '12 were really really busy mm. years. So I was touring a hundred plus, sometimes 150 dates a year, and. Uh, but we hit a we hit a, a a ceiling. We hit a plateau. You yeah, know, we we like we 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 had kind of we had kind of like busted into the national like scope where where we had fans kind of all over the country, but they were in small pockets, and we never really we never really hit it hard. We never like really went where it was like you know where we really able were able to sustain and grow and manage that growth. It kind of got where yeah. we were like kind of bumping up our heads against the ceiling, and then we just like. We just wore out of it, you know. Yeah. We wore out of being in the van, and uh, <laughs> and being married to each other. And yeah. I love those dudes, and I love them then, and I love them now. And um, but, you know, I hated them then. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who wants to know, if you're thinking about joining a band. Con- consider it. Consider it very, very uh, with, with a lot of uh, weight. Consider the nightmares you might. Oh have. my God. Oh, dude. Years we, later. Uh, yeah. The nightmares. And yeah. I wish, oh, that, that's, uh, I got so many stories of just, of, of uh, it's for another podcast. Yeah. Tour. tour it's called the, Nightmares. The, yeah. That's, n- that's nightmares, called. the horrors of tour. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and now the tables have turned. So The tables have turned. Your wife is in a band that, I don't know, you may have heard of. They're called Big Richard. I guess yeah. Ow. I guess they're kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Um, kind of a big deal. Very. She's big deal. out on the road. Yeah. And you're the one. Yeah. 
I mean, not that you're not out there doing it. Sure. I mean, you're super busy, but it, it is kind of like the tables. Yeah, it's a little bit of a switch, and, like, we definitely had a, a conversation like, wow, this is kind of crazy, you know, mm-hmm. that it just, like, because, you know, Spring Creek had a very meteoric uh, rise, and we went from sort of zero to hero pretty quick, and and Big Richard did the same, but uh, they didn't they didn't need to win any band competitions <laughs> to do it. You know, because let's be real, you know, like, in band competitions, the real loser is the audience. <laughs> so they didn't need that. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't need band competitions to get there. They just did it because they're badass. They and didn't even have an album. They didn't have an album. And they were, like, playing Telluride on the main stage at, you know, 6 p.m. on Saturday without an album. That's awesome. It's yeah. amazing. It's nothing like I've ever seen or many of us have never seen. I mean, so that was their album, Live at Telluride. Yeah, that, that became the album. Yeah. And uh, so, um, yeah, and it's just, it's great. It's great to be just sort of, you know, to just sit back and, and be uh, a fanboy uh, of it. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I love it. Well, it's kind of like Charlie's Angels and you're Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I get to, I get to just, yeah, I get to. Oh. Bonnie's telling me to say something. She's she's telling me to tell everybody that I na- I named the band Big Richard. Oh, that was my that was my idea. They 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 um just to just to uh, tell you a little bit of their story. So they they got together because a uh, festival lineup. I won't I won't name names of the festival, but a festival lineup uh, contacted Eve the fiddle player to uh, um to put together an all female group because the lineup was a sausage fest. They realized they hadn't booked, <laughs> and any they were women like, "Oh, well, we, yeah. uh, oh, we, 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 we should, we should get some, get some ladies here," uh, you know. <laughs> totally after the fact, very tokenizing, and that in that moment. But uh, weren't they originally going to be called like the Rocky Mountain Sky Dicks or something like that? Spirit, spirit, <laughs> spirit dicks, dicks of the Rocky, of the Rocky Mountains. Mountains. That was the name. As a jab, you know, as a jab of, of like, uh, you want us? This is what it's called. And so, and, 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 they, and, 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 they, and they rehearsed, they rehearsed at, at our house for the first time and uh, uh, in, in preparation for that festival set. And they played that, or they, they rehearsed, and I heard that first rehearsal, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is like, the electricity and the chemistry was just like, the voices Palpable. together it was so good yeah. from like note one from beat one it was amazing and um and i told him then i was like whatever happens with this festival set whatever happens as you guys like in the next month or so like this has to be a thing yeah and and, and they didn't need me to tell them that but um so they so they played that set people loved it and they got a couple other gigs and i was like y'all can't use that name <laughs> like that's names not people aren't gonna like that it's not gonna look good in lights Certainly not going to look good on merch. People aren't going to like that. You'll need a new name. So they were kind of going back and forth and had a had a text thread going and and uh, they wanted to keep that dick theme in there, you know. Um, and uh, and so I said, why, why don't y'all call it Big Richard? And it stuck. So yeah. everybody loves a Big Richard. <laughs> That's right. Everybody loves Big Richard. Yeah. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> Especially as a secret ingredient, I'm very excited that you're here. You're talking about yourself, and um, I have a lot more questions for you. Sure. But has anyone here listened to the podcast Mile High Stash? Yeah. yeah. Uh, has anyone here been a guest on Mile High Stash? Bonnie. Bonnie has. 
Um, so the the idea, the crazy, stupid idea that somebody's phone is going up. <laughs> it's like a Christmas song. It's really like nice. It. Um, can I answer the phone on the, on the? Okay. If anyone else's phone rings, I'm going to answer it. It's going to be great. I'll, I will do that. Um, the crazy, stupid uh, question I ask everyone who is a guest on the podcast is, what five albums would you take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse? Um, if you only had food and water and a crank-powered Victrola. So I'm going to ask Taylor Sims this. Five yeah. albums. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, my first one would be Asleep at the Wheel, Western Standard Time. All right. Um, which is a, an amazing album from an amazing band. If you never heard it, um, I used to sit in, we had a big bay window in, in, in our house as a child, and I used to sit in, in, the, in the bay window and, and listen to it. It was on tape, and I wore out like four different tapes hmm. of that album as a kid, as a child, as like a, you know, I was in diapers. I, I listened to that album. and um, It's fascinating that you didn't pick up a guitar until you were 16 <laughs> because you I were know. musical. I know. Again, I was trying yeah. to be cool, you know, and I, I didn't know what cool was. Jesus so, and football. Jesus and football. That was yeah. it. That was what, yeah. that was what was cool. Um, so that that'd be that'd be number one. Um, my second one would be um, um, uh, Bob Dylan. Oh mercy! Wow. Um, most of the time. Yeah, most that's of the time. The shit. Man in the long black coat. Yeah. yeah, that's a great that's a great album, um, and uh, that was one that is always in rotation, regardless of. You know, I mean, I, I'm a huge Dylan head, yeah. and uh, that one's always at the top uh, for me. There's a lot, of, there's a lot at the top, but that's that one's always at the top, top. Um, that was the first album he made with Daniel Lanois. Yeah, and it was kind of rocky. Like they weren't super happy with the results, but then Time Out of Mind, they did it again, and they won Album of the Year. And yeah, that's my favorite Bob Dude, Dylan album. Time Out yeah. of Mind and and, yeah. and and Oh Mercy are like. They're they're so close in my mind. They both both of those albums like significantly changed my life. Yeah. Um, Time out of mind changed my life first, and then I and then I heard Oh Mercy. Yeah. Um, and so because I heard t Time out of mind and then Love and Theft like kind of at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so those those albums were huge. But then I sort of started digging through, you know, especially those like weird Christian years that he had there in the eighties. Saved and all Saved that. Saved yeah. and Slow Train Coming and mm -hmm. like. Uh, Empire Burlesque and mm. Oh Mercy was at the very end of that. Um, and Didn't you pick Oh Mercy too, Bonnie? Yeah, she was. The it was a huge connect. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was honestly, you know, to be sappy and uh, and annoying here. That was like that was that was how we came together. We were like we would sit, we would we would lay in when we, when we first started dating. When we first hooked up. We would lay in bed and like quote Dylan lyrics mm. to each other. We'd like see, oh, there's one verse, and then she'd get the next verse, and then I'd get the next verse. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. Just, just <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> but I love it. It was disgusting for everybody but us. Um, That's great. So, so yeah, so, uh, so Oh Mercy, um, uh, and um, what's the other one? Um, the Willis Allen Ramsey yeah. uh, album you that played I played. I played Spider before, John, yeah. um, and yeah. it's just his, it's, his, it's his only album that he ever made. 
He's amazing. He's like a Texas songwriter guy. Um, I love that you played Silver and Gold, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that song. That's a That's, song that Neil Young wrote in the 70s, but never felt like he got a good recording of. And um, it wasn't on a Neil Young record until like 2000. Right. Know, but that's a... Of the same name, of yeah. Silver and Gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah great amazing. Song. Yeah. And um, uh, so, yeah, that that album was, was huge for me. Um, uh, let's see. I did think about this beforehand. That's three. That's three. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, on the Beach. Neil Young, yes. On the Beach. Yeah. Love that. Love that album. Love the story behind the album even more. If y'all have ever listened to the podcast Cocaine and Rhinestones, anybody familiar with that? I do know that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's an amazing, there's an amazing uh, episode about that album and about... Um, <laughs> about uh um uh doug kershaw who produced that record mm -hmm. who is a cajun fiddler and like a crazy crazy dude just like a wild man and uh he used to like through that whole course of that album that album was basically fueled by neil young's songs and these things they called honey slides honey which slides. which were which was like um uh weed honey that, mm. that Doug Kershaw's wife or girlfriend at the time would make. And it was like, it was like THC infused honey. And they'd like take these huge spoonfuls and I guess it was super strong. And they'd all like, it was a requirement that everybody that was in the studio had to take one and then they'd start recording and they'd record way into, well into the night, have these wild times and, you know, and like the, 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 uh, their process for recording that album was really out of the box. Mm. Doug was like a total vibe master. You know, he didn't care about if, if instruments were in tune, if all the musicians were even there, like if the song was even finished. He was more of like, hey, let's get super high and let's, and let's make some magic. Yeah. And like they'd like lay on the floor and, 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 and record laying down or turn off all the lights and, and, uh, and just do all this crazy stuff. And, and uh, so one of the songs on the record is just Neil Young and the band. Yeah, yeah. right. And right. that's one of the best Neil Young tracks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, it's just such a, uh, it's an amazing record. It was recorded in Nashville on some like side road studio mm -hmm. that wasn't very popular, wasn't very well known. And uh, anyway, so that one's on there. So that's four, right? On that's the Beach four. is number four. Um, and number five would maybe be. Um, there's a, uh, an album called Bluegrass Holiday that is a, an amazing album. It's J.D. Crow and Red Allen in the New South. It's kind of, it's, so let me, let me back up. So the, it's a live album and it's, um, uh, J.D. Crow and Red Allen. J.D. Crow's a banjo player from back in the day. Red Allen's a amazing guitar player and singer from back in the day. And, um, uh, they had a band and they had a residency at a Holiday Inn in Louisville, Kentucky for a crazy amount of time, something years, four years or something. They played every Tuesday night at this Holiday Inn in Gasoline Louisville. Gasoline Lollipops were at Waterloo for nine years. So four years is, that's, you know, it's not that's, that. That's, 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 that's not Gasoline Lollipops, though. <laughs> no, let's, not, let's not mince it words here. But, but yeah. I mean, I'm four not saying they're as good as the Gas Pops. It doesn't pops, seem you know, that long. Yeah. Yeah. 
But they, um, uh, yeah, they, 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 they made a record out of that band, out of live recordings, and it's called yeah. Bluegrass Holiday. And it's kind of a, um, you actually, it's not for sale anymore. You have to, you have to um, order it direct from Rebel Records. Okay. And uh, uh, it used to be for sale, and, but now it's not, because I've looked for it again, and you have to order it direct from yeah. Rebel Records. But it's, a, it's an amazing bluegrass record if you're into that. So those are the five. So I have to be completely honest. The only bluegrass band I've ever liked is Big Richard. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Like, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I grew up in the punk scene, and I have a hard time with kind of like the Prairie Home Companion uh, aspect of I, all I, that stuff. And I, I love fully the, understand. The, I love the fact that they're, you know... They came out of the gate doing like a Billie Eilish song and a Radiohead song and all this stuff. Um, Spring Creek was very firmly a bluegrass band. Uh, Bonnie and the Clydes, country, alt country, rock and roll. Um, a Bonnie and Taylor Sims band is is kind of an amalgamation of all these things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It is. It's a. It very much is. My question to you is, did you ever get sick of bluegrass? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I had a I had a bluegrass problem for many years. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, I did. I did. It's a it's a it's a very um, it's an acquired taste. You know, mm. when I first. Well, when I first heard bluegrass. Um, one, I didn't know what it was. I learned about it in college and um, I didn't know that it was a. I didn't know that it was even an option musically or a mm -hmm. genre. Right. And I had a, a, a friend, a great friend, who was the, uh, the first bass player for the band Spring Creek. She gave me a couple records. She gave me a John Hartford record, a Sam Bush record, and, um, and a Tony Rice record. And I loved them. And then, so I heard that, and then I went immediately to uh, Bill Monroe, mm -hmm. which was a bad idea. You don't want to go immediately to Bill Monroe. Why not? That. It, it it's 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 a it's a different thing. It's a it's it's what we call in the in the circles. Um, it's the ancient tones, hmm. and so it's um it's it's really raw and very real. But like I did not know how to enjoy it. You know, I did oh, wow. not. And when it when I first heard it, I was like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the it's 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 what you think. It's the high nasal singing, and it's just this like. It's it's you know I'm not gonna run it down the I'm not gonna yeah. run it down the flagpole but I I didn't know I didn't and I I had no idea I was like this is this is this, this is, is too much, much man yeah. this is yeah. too much it's kind of like you know when you first start when you first start you know drinking or you first start doing drugs or something you're like why do people like this <laughs> yeah you're yeah, like what yeah, is yeah. this or like you know yeah. you take you take your first taste of anything. And yeah. if and if they give you the hero dose first, right, you're fucked. And so See, like this you gotta is ease in, man. You gotta ease yeah. into that. But stuff. this is interesting to me as somebody you know who grew up listening to uh, Minor Threat and stuff like this. Um, uh, <laughs> when I heard uh, Dr. Joy Adams singing <laughs> "Greasy Coat," I was like, no, it was what you're talking about. It was this old timey stuff, and I thought this is fucking punk rock. Yeah. And I like that stuff. And there's a song called Ruby, Are You Mad at Your Man? Oh, yeah. By, is it the Osbournes? Is that what they're yeah. called? Mm -hmm. It the is Brothers. so, it's like listening to Minor Threat singing bluegrass. <laughs> and 
I love it. Yeah, and man. the other stuff, it just sounds nice to me. I sure. don't like anything that's nice. Yeah, yeah, you know? I totally. And that, you know, and that's why I'm asking, did you have a moment where you're like, I'm kind of sick of this yes. very nice stuff? Yes, I did. I did. I, I definitely had a, I had a moment where it, it like, I mean, it was, it, was fueled by, it was fueled by a couple of things. It was fueled that I had played it on stage for years at that time. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that had an impact on it. And then, and then I just, you know, I was listening to all kinds of different music. And, and, and bluegrass is a traditional art form. And so it is, it is um, uh, there's, there's a lot that needs to be considered if you're really going to play it. Mm-hmm. And like pay homage to it, you know. You really got to stick inside those, inside those walls. You know, there's um, those expectations of and like I've never been a part of this this scene, but my impression is there's almost an expectation of songs you have to play if you're sure. a bluegrass band, and a way you have to sing, and maybe yes. even a way you have to dress and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a um, it's a subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 a lot of ways, and it is it's a language, and and so instead of instead of you know starting a band and wanting to uh, express yourself um, through music that that you write, there's almost this sort of um, there's sort of this passage that you have to go through. You have to learn um, yeah. the traditional songs because it's a traditional form of music. Again, you have to learn Grove. the vo- you have to le- yeah you have to mm-hmm. learn the vocabulary. Yeah, you know, so um, you have to just just like if you it's a language. Music is a language, but also like you know, um, traditional forms of of music are, are are a subset of they're like another dialect yeah. of, of language. And so, in order to to you know just drop in, you know, um, you have to you have to learn that dialect to be able to um, be taken seriously, just like you do if you speak, you know, if you speak a language, you learn a new language. Yeah. You know, like um, uh, I learned, uh, Bonnie and I toured in Germany for a month. Um, back in oh, in like 2014, and I and I took I took months of German lessons before mm. we went, just so we could get around because we were going to be driving. We were playing 28 out of 30 days. Yeah. We were driving all over the country. We were kind of taking care of everything. We didn't have a tour manager. We didn't have any support really. And so, um, so I knew that it would be helpful. But I learned it as like I got to where I could speak like probably a six year old or a seven year old. Yeah. Where like they could understand me, and I could speak from the stage and speak in full sentences and stuff, but like it was more like, "Oh, that's cute, right <laughs> that's cute and they were very they were very appreciative that I tried, but um you know like i I wasn't able to really communicate i couldn't i we, I couldn't express myself, we couldn't talk about politics or religion or even like what was on that sandwich that I just ate right <laughs> you know so it's like i had a i had a really i had a really uh uh, I just I, I didn't have a great, great grasp of the of the language, but I could get by. But it was still like patting on the head, like, "Oh, that's very cute," but that's not how you say that, right. you know. And so it's a very similar way with um, with, with 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 bluegrass um, and other traditional forms. I mean, blues, traditional blues is 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 no, is no different. Jazz is no different. Where it's like you have to learn the vocabulary. You have to have a certain amount of um, experiential knowledge. Um, uh, to really be taken seriously, and you have to be kind of steeped in it in a way. Yeah. You can't just like jump into it. Nowadays, it's a little more open because you know great artists like Billy Strings and you know and uh, Molly Tuttle and you go. They know first. their shit too, though. Oh, they're yeah, oh they're amazing. Time. They're yeah, amazing. Yeah. They're 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 well steeped in the tradition. But then they like bring in all these other yeah. people, and like you know like the first the first bluegrass band that I saw live was Yonder Mountain String Band, and like. I didn't know anything about it, 
uh, at that time, but I saw them and like they were a great entrance into uh, into the rest of yeah. bluegrass, you know, because they were more rock and roll. They were they were like doing their own thing while still paying homage, but they were still like, you know, they were they weren't um, they they weren't traditional, you know. And so like for a, for a, for a kid at like nineteen, that was like, you know playing guitar wasn't very good yet was kind of writing songs was smoking a lot of weed they fit right in line with what i was doing you know <laughs> so i was like awesome this is great and then that opened the door to other things and then that opened the door to other things yeah. so it's like uh it's 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 an acquired taste you know just like a just like a fine whiskey yeah can't just jump into this sponsored Cheers, by you guys yeah so let's fast forward a little bit um <laughs> the pandemic happens, and um, ironically, what was it like to finally have, uh, I mean, basically a hit? Sure. I mean, um, so if anybody doesn't know the story, um, um, Bonnie and Taylor started working with a guy named Robbie Neville, who is um, a producer and songwriter and visionary and working with licensing and um, worked with Bonnie and Taylor to uh, create um, an act which was kind of like gorillas. It's kind of like uh, Everybody Loves an Outlaw was more of an idea than a band. Yeah. And then the song that they recorded, I See Red, ends up basically a softcore porn. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. And like not only was the song in the movie, but... The whole song was in the movie. The whole song the was in the movie. Song. Yeah. The entire song. The entire song. At full volume. At full volume. Which is rare in a soundtrack. Yeah, like during... During the most torrid. Anybody seen this, the movie 365 Days? Anybody had the pleasant unfortune <laughs> of seeing that? Yeah. It's not a good movie. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's worth a fast forward, I'll tell you that. It's worth putting on and fast forwarding it through. It's basically like a... Um, it's a it's, it's, if, if you put... Um, uh, it's like a Polish version of Fifty Shades of Grey right. and uh, Beauty and the Beast <laughs> together. So, you, so if you can imagine those two movies put together, set in like a modern Polish... Yeah, sounds terrible. Yes, it is. It is. It sounds terrible. It's really rapey and uh, it's not good. It's not good. So the main two characters is a, is a, is a, is a woman and this, and this dude. And she is held captive and she has... One year, 365 days to fall in love with this guy, who, who his name's Massimo, and uh, if if I needed to say that, and <coughs> so anyway, the, the most of the movie is like leading up. It's like she's being captive. She's uh, she's uh, you know it, it's forceful and it's it's bad, and so all these scenes. But then they finally like she finally falls in love with him on the boat, and they have this like crazy sex scene the craziest sex scene i've ever seen in that was not like pornography you know that was not something that you clear your search history to watch <laughs> you know what i'm saying it was on netflix and it's like and so they, they 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 have this scene and and they play the song at full volume the whole song, the whole song. which it, which in like in the soundtrack world like that's unheard of it's unheard of to hit to hear a, an entire song at, uh, and then it's even more unheard of to hear it at volume, at full right, volume, right. where there's no dialogue over it at all. Like they just like, like the scene starts and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're like, you know, um, pre-coitus, you know, and then, the, <laughs> and then the song comes on and then it's, and then it's fucking three and a half minutes of yeah. fucking 
and uh, coitus. <laughs> Fucking coitus. And, and coitus. <laughs> and the uh, and the and the and the uh, anyway. So, so so yeah. So the song is like just becomes sort of so attached to that scene, and it was like it was the biggest movie of 2020. Yeah, and then the song ends up on like America's Got Talent and like Spain's Got Talent and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and Spain's Got Talent. Yeah. Surprisingly, Spain's Got Talent. Spain's Got Talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was it like to sort of have? I mean, you guys always wanted to have uh, something go viral and sure. have a hit like that. So what was it like to have that happen? But you kind of have to say, "Hey, wait a second, everybody. This is us." Yeah, it 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 took it took a uh, it was it was kind of strategic, and it took some like we had to be uh, very intentional in the beginning. And none, of, I don't, I attribute none of that to me. Bonnie did it all in the very beginning because it kind of came down the pike, uh, and and so we're just you know it's in the middle of the pandemic. It's June of, of 2020, and we're at home, and we're just like you know having a great time not really knowing what the future would hold but we were having a great time and uh and we wake up uh one day and or in in the middle of the day we like we got a call or an email from uh robbie i was like hey this song's kind of doing something it went from fifteen thousand spins on spotify to five million overnight and, and kept so, going from and there. Ke- and kept going from yeah. there. And so, so the, 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 the president of the, of the licensing company, which is called Extreme Music, so the president of Extreme reached out and was like, hey, something's going on here. This is pretty cool. And then, and then we, we started watching it. And then the very next day, so we went to bed that night, we woke up the next morning, and there's uh, tons of emails uh, in both of our inboxes. Uh, we had texts, and we had phone calls with voicemails from record companies, um, and PR people and, um, uh, from all over the world saying, Oh, congratulations on your hit. You know, we, we'd like to take a meeting, you know? And, uh, and luckily Bonnie being the social media maven that she is, she like jumped on it right away and she created, uh, she, cause we didn't have any social, social media for everybody loves an outlaw. We had a Spotify. That was all we had. Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any of it. Bonnie jumps on. Um, basically as soon as we heard that it had gone to 5 million, Bonnie jumps on and, uh, uh, and created those accounts. And then by the next day, when it all started coming down from the record labels, um, they had, uh, a, a contact and they had our faces with a, with a few pictures that we had, that we'd had for everybody loves an outlaw. And so they were kind of able to start like piecing it together, but they still didn't know who we were. So there was yeah. this big mystery because, you know, um, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of stuff with that song. Like 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 we said, like you know, uh, played it in its an entirety at full volume, the whole song, right? Um, and we were unsigned. We were an unsigned yeah. artist, and that was even more rare. And so like it was just everybody wanted to know who's who's everybody loves an outlaw. Who is this? And again, you know, that's fully attributed to Bonnie um, for like taking the reins and 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 uh, and and being you know super smart about that. Because then when those calls started coming, we were able to build that story of like, yeah, this is us. Right. Here we are, and we kind of we kind of faked it a little bit of like, yeah, we've been a band forever. No, we did. You know. Which is which is true. We, we 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 we. You have been a band forever. We we have we have. Yeah. Well, everybody loves Nala. We we recorded under that name in 2018, and then it took it took two years to until it got placed. Yeah. So so it was like we we had a you know we had a we had a, a thing you know we had a profile. 
a yeah. little bit. And um, and then it you know and then and then of course it was it was a couple months of just like, like, I don't know. We took we we, we were on Zoom for like two months straight almost like we had zoom meetings every day with Robbie and the team at extreme. And then like record labels like Columbia and Sony and uh, universal and yeah. Republic and all these like massive record labels. And we're like meeting with these teams of, of um, A and R people. And, and, uh, and so it was just insane, you know, but, but, but we, you know, we kind of had to just get in this mode super fast to try and take advantage of it. Yeah. And, uh, and luckily we didn't have anything else going on. So we were like, all right, right. Here we go. Yeah. We're, we, we are this now. Yeah. So it's cool. So just to put a little, uh, perspective or identification on it, uh, the only hit that we've ever had as gasoline lollipops is a song that I played drums on and that I, I pushed me and Bonnie have this in common of being the person Who's like gonna make all this shit happen? It's a song called "Love Is Free." Yep, great song. And Love that song. just randomly ended up on like the Billboard charts and like all this millions of listens. Yeah. Just just so everybody knows, it's like a third of a cent per listen. It doesn't equal money. What equals money is going out on the road, and you know, me and Clay and Donnie and that and now Brad have families and. There wasn't really an opportunity to be like, we're going to go sleep on floors and play <laughs> every, uh, yeah. every place. So now that this happens for you, it, uh, um, ex explain to us um, sort of the effort to um, have a symbiotic Bonnie and Taylor Sims and Everybody Loves an Outlaw and go out on the road and say... We're here. This is us. This is all us. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it's, um, again, like, the, uh, the, the pandemic really worked to our advantage in that regard, right? Um, because we didn't have anything, we didn't have anything going on. We didn't have any gigs that were competing with our marketing. Yeah. And we were able to just sort of take it on. And there certainly was some, some moments of, of existential, um, you know, crises or or just where we were we were just sort of shoved into this new thing just like fully completely shoved into it you know and uh and so we we, we had to make constant adjustments we were constantly sort of recalibrating making sure that we were telling the story correctly making sure that we were like looking good to these uh these these people that had potential opportunities for us we were like thrust into this upper echelon of the music business where yeah. Um, you know, like we were just, we're taking meetings with the, um, with the biggest record labels that exist today. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was something that we never, sh we, you know, we, we never set our sights on that as independent musicians before, um, because of the style of music that we play and just because of who we are as people, we never, we never hung our hat on that, that that was going to be something that we were striving for. Like if, if fame was a byproduct of, of our music, great, but we, but it was never, ever, uh, um, uh, a target that we shot for. Right. It was always, you know, it was always like, well, you know, um, you, you know, in, 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 in the, in the world, we all know this, like a lot of times fame equals fortune. Um, and so like, it was like, if we, if we get there, great, we'll take it. But, um, this was a, certainly a different opportunity in a different situation all the way around. 
And so we were, yeah, just immediately thrust into it. So we, so we did have to kind of change our messaging, change, change who we were. But the pandemic was really good for us because, you know, we were, we were, we weren't playing anymore. Bonnie and the Clydes was totally on hold, on hiatus at that point. And the, um, uh, the, the record label Columbia that we ended up signing with, um, they asked us to put Bonnie and the Clydes on hold. If they, they were like, um, would you guys? And they were very nice about it. They weren't, they weren't big industry and like heavy handed they they were like hey would it be cool if you guys like put buying the clydes on hold um in terms of marketing so that we can really push this and we were like absolutely you, know, you were like wait no more bar mitzvahs yeah <laughs> no more bar, bar mitzvahs or funerals <laughs> or uh bars with no one in them and uh they won't they won't turn the tv off and uh, right. they won't unplug the cigarette machine so that we can plug our pa in no yeah. more of that oh yeah. damn yeah Shoot, I'm very um, upset. But um, so it was um, and it was a, it was just, it was an easy transition in that time because nobody was working, yeah. and um, and so we were really able to just like grab those reins and just take them, you know. Yeah. And so, but we had to kind of constantly shift. Uh, to to answer your question, we we had to constantly sort of like be shifting and telling our story in a way that that we thought had um, had sustainability and longevity, where that we wouldn't get lost in like just, oh, we're, we're everybody loves an outlaw now. We right. wanted to kind of maintain who we were, the roots of it, and that, and that it was us, that when people came looking, yeah. that they would find us, and then that, that, that we, were, we were not just that name, and we were, just, yeah. we were not just that song, that there was something more behind yeah. it. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was tough. Um, it was not without its challenges, but, um, um, uh, you know, it was, we, we just tried to be really strategic with it. Yeah. So I hope that everybody listens to this new uh, Bonnie and Taylor Sims eponymous album. Yeah. And um, I'm hoping that after our little chat, you know, that you can play a couple of the songs yeah. that you sing yeah. on that. Um, Absolutely. There were a couple of questions submitted. Sure. And one of them was, um, um, how was the show at the Whiskey in L.A.? Oh, it was amazing. It was wild. It was, um, I mean, it's a historic venue, a lot of vibes, a lot of wonderful, uh, like, times have been there, and you can feel that when you're on stage there. Um, You know, like, for God's sakes, Guns N' Roses broke there, you know? Yeah. Some really iconic music has been made there. The Doors. The Doors, too, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And, like, um, and so it was, it it, it had that feeling, you know? Whether that, like, you know, whether that just exists, if you were to walk in there and not know it, I don't know if you could feel it, but I certainly could feel it. Yeah. And so it was, um, the, the, the show was, it was a Halloween show that was put together by this company extreme that we have our music licensed with. And so they, they threw this very elaborate, uh, Halloween party there and they like, they bought caskets like so it was like a big funeral it was like a funeral theme party so there's a big casket on the front of the stage with real flowers big flower arrangements there was a casket upstairs you could take a picture with you could even get in it i think and then they had this this other section that was heaven you know so you could go through the funeral go through your own funeral sort of and then you drifted outside and it was all all white like yeah. white, white sheets and they had clouds d- dangling and they had uh, a, a a string quintet playing and like all this wild shit. And, uh, and so you kind of drift through there and you're like, this is crazy. And you drift back in and then you're back in the funeral. And, and it was, it was just insane, you know? So there's all these, and it was kind of like, it was super fun to be there, but it was kind of, you know, there's a lot of industry stuff 
There was a lot of um, schmoozing. A lot of schmoozing. There was a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, music supervisors, people who, like, are in charge of putting music in, in Netflix movies and in, mm-hmm. you know, television and, and, and stuff and commercials. And so they're, they're kind of stuffed shirts. They're sort of hard to impress, you know. And they kind of have this vibe of, like, oh, oh okay, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. something, you know. Oh, wow, wow, okay. Good job. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, if, and, and once you once you sort of – um. That, and, that, and that wasn't a pervasive vibe. It was it was definitely yeah. there, but it was um, a, a little bit of that. But it was uh, it was it was super fun, and and the band that we played with, you know, um, it wasn't it wasn't our band. Everybody loves an outlaw, but it was um, uh, uh, we, we we did play some of those songs, and then we sat in on a bunch of other ones, yeah. and yeah. it was just a fun rowdy rock and roll show, and it was it was nice. awesome. It was um, very memorable. Another I question. This hat. I oh, you this got hat that in L.A. That, that day. Nice. So. Mustard, baby. Mustard hat. <laughs> Another question was, what is the, how does the Colorado music scene uh, compare to these other more stereotypically national scenes like Nashville and Los Angeles? Uh, well, I think that it's, it's, it's better. It's, it's uh, just uh, on the face, it's, 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 it's better because I know it. Uh, and 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 it's what 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 separates it from other uh, scenes is that it's uh, it's not competitive here. Mm. You know, this is a very like rising tide carries all ships kind of scene. Like people really love each other. We, you know, we go to each other's shows. You know, lots of musicians will show up, and we and we do it really like as as honest as I can be. Like other bands really care about the success of other bands, and I've and I've been. I, I've never been fully in in another scene like this one because um, I've been here my you know my whole career. Um, but uh, like I've spent time in LA, I've spent time in Austin, I've spent time in Nashville, and like they're all great, but they all ha- they have this competitive edge where right. it's like, well, if you get that gig, then I'm not going to get that gig. It's like doggy dog world. Yeah, and yeah. they might not be like overt where they're where where they're where they're um, you know um, like mean about it or or like they they lead with that sort of attitude but you can feel it you know where it's like well i'm happy for you but if 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 you get that gig i don't i don't eat or right. you know it has that kind of vibe and this ha- this does not have that vibe it's sort of like it's sort of like the dark horse you know in a way where um you know um no one expects it to be anything you mm-hmm. know no one i mean denver has a decent scene but like the area is not really known as like a music scene like austin or nashville does right. and so there's um there's 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 less uh there's less competition and it's less competitive i'll say and uh um and people really they they love each other and it's a yeah. and it's a it's diverse you know there's bluegrass there's there's rock there's there's uh there's jazz and there's hip hop and there's all these great bands that have come out of here and like gone on to do great stuff and have maintained it here like have stayed here and yeah. and this has been home base and so like uh i i love it and and i also have like you know i have a lot of other things that i love to do with my life and and like do you ever golf i do yeah i do i still golf okay. yeah I what do you wear from, uh this you just wear that yeah. <laughs> no i try not to i try to not look like yeah a golfer on the so. Do you ever get confused with Taylor Scott? No, not no. yet. Do you ever? Get, He's get, way better of a guitar player than what? me. So, so I don't you're think anybody. Di- you're I don't think totally any, different player. I know, but he's he's great. He's so good. He but no, not yet. Do you ever get confused with Taylor Swift? Yes, <laughs> that has happened. Okay. 
okay. that has happened. Like somebody will be like, they'll hear my name and they're like, did you say Taylor Swift? Or or somebody will be like, oh Taylor Sims, and then some you know some jerk off will go, oh Taylor Swift. Like yeah okay, yeah. way to word associate. Those are <laughs> the same name and the last name starts with the same letter. Good job. Okay, I'm gonna open it up to Taylor to play for as long as he wants. You know, and you guys can enjoy that. Um, yeah. I'll I'll just play I'll just play I'll just play a few songs. Um, I really appreciate y'all being here and uh, um, and listening to me uh, rattle on um, here. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it. Let's Thank let's have you. a round of applause for Adam Thank Perry. Thank everybody for coming out. Yeah. I'll give you another hour then I gotta run, I gotta fly away. That was Taylor Sims of the Bonnie and Taylor Sims band. Everybody loves an outlaw and a lot more. Um, thanks so much for listening to my chat with Taylor and for your support of Mile High Stash over the last year. From the listeners to the sponsors to um, Michaela and Sydney, aka Say, who uh, might be asking me to start Mile High Stash up again soon when I start getting on their nerves. Um, all right, we'll talk soon. Actually, we will definitely not talk soon, but we will talk at some point. Ciao. Thank you.